So, over the course of the, uh, the last seven weeks, we've been looking at a teaching series called Why Can't We All Just Calm Down? And we looked at a number of things that challenge us in the craziness of the frenetic world that we live in. <clears throat> we talked about dealing with stress, with depression, with trauma, and a whole lot of other topics which from the feedback that we received obviously were extremely helpful to those of you that were, have been with us and have listened to those. And as I become aware of how much those helped those among us, the vast majority of us already have a relationship with Christ. What became more and more evident to me is if so many of us who are believers struggle in these areas, what must it be like for people who don't know Jesus? How must life be if you don't have a foundation of faith as a starting point? And, and that brought me to where we are now. And actually, in the course of January, we changed our plan for our teaching series for this part of the year because I want to go into two weeks, which I, I, I entitled very simply, Let's Do This. Because what these last seven weeks have highlighted for me is that we have got a message of hope that people who don't know Jesus really need to hear. It's that we've got an anchor in life that everybody needs to have. And the reminder that we weren't just placed here for our own good, but God put us here, here together in this church family, side by side, so that we could impact and so that we could bring hope to those that are despairing today. So I'm going to go this week and next week. I, I, I want to just look at this topic. Let's do this. And... Um, this week I entitled, I'm not finished yet. And next week I'm going to talk about doing a number of things more than ever before. And so I'm not finished yet is where I'm at today. Uh, because I grew up in a, in a, in a you know, fairly big family, there were five of us siblings and mother and father made seven of us. One of the things I learned to do was to eat fast. Right? And, 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 and the reason you eat fast, it wasn't, any, it wasn't they were going to steal anything off my plate because that would never happen. I wouldn't have let that happen, right? But, but if you're the first finished, you're the first to say, are there any seconds? Right? I, I, I'm not one of those people who says I could look at a glass of water and put on weight, right? Um, I know why I put on weight. <laughs> so I learned to eat really fast. But one of the things I find in recent years is, is often when I'm eating, particularly when I'm eating out, you know, I might be eating with other people and, and, and they're asking me things and they're talking and often I'm actually the last to finish nowadays. But one of the great challenges, particularly when you're in a restaurant, when you are the last to finish, the challenge is when the server comes and starts clearing everybody's plate and then comes over and starts to hover. And something in me says, you come one inch further, I'm going to rip your arm off. 
right? So they look or they start to reach and I'm like, hey, I'm not finished yet. I'm not finished yet. He thought I was or he wanted me to be, but I'm not finished yet. Or, or, or think about this, think about this, and every one of you that's raised children, and particularly those of you that are raising or have raised teenagers, you can probably identify with this. When they're smaller, discipline is kind of a slightly easier, but they come to their teens and you start telling them why their behavior is unsuitable, and they sit and they sit, and then, and then you pause for breath and they say, are you finished now? <laughs> Sit yourself down, young man. I'm only starting. <laughs> there are times when everybody wants you to be finished, but you're not finished yet. You're not finished yet. I love the words of 2 Timothy 4, verse 7, where the Apostle Paul, towards the end of his life and of his ministry, said this. 2 Timothy 4, 7, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. There came the point in his life where he said, it's good, I'm finished. I'm finished. I've done what God intended me to do and I'm finished. And in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse one, he passes on this encouragement to you and I. He says, let's run with perseverance the race marked out for us. He finished his. And the challenge to you and I is to complete the race that God has marked out for each of us. There's a significant statement that Jesus made when he was praying in Gethsemane the night before he was crucified. And as he was praying in John 17 and verse 4, here's what he said. He said to his father, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. Finishing the work you gave me to do. Listen, life will often give you opportunities to stop before you're done. And there could be a lot of us here today who in different aspects of life actually need to finish something we started. And I do want to emphasize this, that everything that God initiated inside of you, He wants to bring to fruition. Everything God initiated, He wants to bring to fruition. I said last Sunday, I spent the last seven weeks comforting the afflicted. And what I'm going to do this two Sundays is afflict the comfortable. Because here's my challenge to you. Don't end your days with the disappointment of great things that were once birthed inside of you that you didn't follow through on and complete. Because somewhere along the line, you lost your resolve, you, 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 you lost your courage, your determination, your faith, your vision. You just let it go. There are too many Christians to whom the words of Galatians 5, 7 really are ring true today, where Paul said to them, you were running a good race, who cut in on you? What happened to slow you down? What happened to throw you off course? They'd gotten sidetracked. In fact, in, in verse 
7 of Galatians 1, he says this, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. So my question is, are you living in the grace of Christ or are you limping along? Are you positive about your faith like you once were or are you pretty passive about your faith if you're really honest? See, sometimes it's easy to assume a kind of a fatalistic approach. It's like, well, you know, I thought I, thought I wanted to do this for God or I thought God wanted this to happen, but it never happened, but I, I reckon if God wanted it to happen, it would have happened. And I'll say to you, no, it didn't happen because you quit. If you're new to us today, I'm a nice guy, okay? <laughs> There's a great phrase in the New Testament. It's called speaking the truth in love. And that's the key thing, isn't it? Speaking the truth in love. Maybe it didn't happen because you quit. So what I want to do today is I want to reintroduce you to, to one of my favorite Bible characters. In fact, in recent years, I must say, I think he is my favorite Bible character. He's a guy called Caleb. And Caleb in the Old Testament, he, he, he kind of crops up in a, in a couple of different situations, but where, where I want to kind of pick up with Caleb is here. Most of you will be familiar with the background of the Exodus and Moses bringing the children of Israel out of slavery in the land of Egypt, right? Crossing the Red Sea, Charlton Heston, all that stuff, right? You, okay. So you, you'll be familiar with that. And then, and then they, they, they start their journey to the promised land and they get to the border of the promised land and they take a look at it and God decides because of the unbelief of the people, they're not ready to go in yet. And so for 40 years, they wander around in the wilderness. And then after 40 years, Moses' successor, Joshua, leads them into the promised land. Now, they go into this promised land, and there are already people living there, and they, they, they're, they're going to conquer the land and take it over. Five years into this, they're at a stage now where they've claimed a lot of this area. And Joshua now assembles the leaders of the different tribes, and what he's going to do is say, okay, now here we are. Here's this promised land. You folks have this bit. You have this bit. You have this bit. You have this bit. That, that's where we're at when, when I'm going to pick things up with Caleb this morning. Okay, you with me so far? So, so Joshua's about to divvy out this promised land and tell them which bits their tribe can have. And, and I want us to take a look at Caleb, and I want us, a few things I want to remember if we're going to fulfill God's purposes in our lives. Number one is remember the past. Some of you today, I really hope and pray that the Holy Spirit's going to remind you of where you once were and what you once had believed for and what you once prayed for and what you were once ambitious about with a godly ambition and maybe stir that up again in you today. Joshua 14, let's read a little bit there. 
Joshua 14, verse 6. Now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal. And Caleb, son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me? I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a good report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So, so Caleb is reminding Joshua, he says, hey, remember when we first got sight of the promised land, the first time when we came to the border, but we, we didn't all go in. You, you remember that. And, and you remember that Moses sent me in to take a look at the promised land. Now, Joshua remembered because actually he went with Caleb. But who knows? Joshua's getting older. Maybe he'd forgotten. So Caleb says, hey, remember Remember, we, we, we went in. Moses actually sent 12 people in to take a look and to see what the land was like. And, and, and when they went in to take a look, they came back and 10 of them were absolutely terrified and said, we could never take this land. We'll all be killed. It's impossible. But Caleb says here, he says, I brought him back a report according to my conviction." They came back with doubts. He came back with convictions about what God could do. That, my friends, is like gold, a conviction in your heart about what God might do. And then Caleb says this. He says, I just followed the Lord wholeheartedly. He wasn't afraid of the perceived strength of the people who lived there. He wasn't, he wasn't put off by the size of their armies and their weaponry, but he followed the Lord wholeheartedly and he believed God could do something absolutely amazing. Caleb reminds Joshua, he said, do you remember when we were young, we were hungry, we were excited, we were stupid, let's go do this. And some of you, when you were younger as believers, you, you, you were full of faith and you were excited and you were stupid enough to believe that God could do what God said he would do. But somewhere along the line, you've settled down and you've got reasonable and rational and boring. They were hungry when they were young. They were full of faith when everybody else was terrified. Forty years passed before they entered the land. Now there, was, there had been another five years of constant battles claiming the land. But Caleb says, you know, I remember. Joshua, do you remember? Remember the days when we just wanted to go for God? Remember the past. Something else I want to encourage you in from the story of Caleb. Refuse to quit. Refuse to quit. So here's, here's Caleb still talking to Joshua. 
before Joshua gets to divvy up the land. Verse 10 of Joshua 14. Now then, he says, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now, give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there. Their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite. Aren't you glad I'm reading this stuff? <laughs> Ever since. Because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Caleb had said to Joshua, do you remember, do you remember when I came back and I said, let's go do this, that Moses said all those years ago, Moses said, I'm going to give you that whole area that you spied out. And where he had gone was actually the most difficult area. It was mountainous. It was treacherous. And the big thing is there were people there who were the descendants of giants. They were huge people that were there and they weren't going to let him come in and take over the land just like that. And so Caleb is reminding Joshua, he's says, don't, don't forget what Moses said. He said, he, he said, that area where there's all those giants to fight, that area where there's all that mountainous terrain that's going to be really difficult, Moses said, I could have that, and I want it. I'm 85 years old, but that's what I want. And it, and it says here, Joshua blessed Caleb. How did he bless him? He gave him the hardest territory possible. It was the roughest terrain with the scariest people to fight. And Joshua blessed him by giving it to him. Now listen carefully to this. We tend to think being blessed means peace, rest, ease, no inconvenience, no stress. Of course, what that can also mean is no purpose, no direction, nothing to get up in the morning for. He blessed him by giving him that. Listen, there is no blessing in living without a challenge. Without a fight, the Christian life gets dull. If we're not adventuring for God, if we're not putting ourselves in situation where our faith is tested and where God needs to come through, if we're not pushing to reach our full potential. Here's the situation. Joshua actually at this stage, Joshua was like almost done. He'd taken over from Moses. He led the children of Israel into the promised land. He'd helped them, led them into battle for years now. And now he was coming. This was basically his last act as leader of Israel would say, you go over here, you go over here, you go over here, you go over there. Good luck. God bless you. See you in heaven. That, that's where Joshua was about at. Joshua was about done, but Caleb wasn't. Caleb wasn't. 
The man was refusing to quit. And my prayer today is that many of you will take a good look at yourselves and decide, I'm not finished yet. Others decide for themselves, but you determine in your own heart that you're not ready to quit adventuring for God and pushing the limits and giving it your utmost. Let me tell you, you may be broken, beat up, bruised, and bloodied, but please don't tell me you're done. Disappointed, disillusioned, discouraged, disgusted. You may be tired, tested, traumatized, torn. You may be unenthusiastic, uncertain, unbelieving, unsure. But please don't tell me you're done. There is always a temptation to ease up, if not to bail, when things get hard. But you're not done until it's done until what God dropped in your heart actually becomes a reality. Caleb refused to quit. And today, remember your past. Remember what God dropped into your heart and refuse to quit. You know, there was a time, there was a time in, in the life of Jesus just before his crucifixion when he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And many of you will be familiar with these words. And he prayed to the Father, Matthew 26 and verse 39. And he, he, here's what he said. He says, Father, if it's possible, let this cup be taken from me. But not as I will, as you will. God, I'd like to leave it right here. I'd like to quit right now. But he didn't. In fact, if I, you know, if I was Jesus, I think I might have quit a bit earlier. I, I mean, you know, look at how he spent three and a half years of earthly ministry with such a ra ragtag and bobtail group of people, right? It's like, hey, got your best guys around you. There's Peter, big mouth, blabbermouth, doesn't live up to the things he said. There's Thomas, sees everything you did, hears everything, hears everything you said, and still doesn't believe you. There's James and John who think they're all it and more besides. Let us sit beside you in heaven, Lord, we're that good. And more Marys around him you could ever imagine. <laughs> but he keeps going. And he keeps going to the point of crucifixion. And Jesus keeps going to the utmost suffering, pain, and humiliation until finally he expires on the cross and says, it is finished. It is finished. John 19 verse 30. It is finished. Jesus saw it through to the end. Listen, let me encourage you. Remember, remember where you might have been and things God might have said to you. Refuse to quit and relish the challenge. So, so, so my, my question to you is, is, is this really, are you done yet or are you up for the challenge? 
And you've got to ask yourself that seriously. Am, am, am I done yet? I mean, have you stepped back from where you once were? Have you kind of eased up? Have you taken a spectator role? Are you done? See, there are people who go to church and there are people willing to stretch themselves, fight and sacrifice for what church is about. And if we are going to impact a world that is falling apart without Jesus, we need, we all need to be the people who stretch ourselves, fight and sacrifice for what church is all about. Spectator church will not bring hope to a dying world. I, I, I was, um, I, I was talking to some friends recently and we were reflecting on the fact, um, I, I am convinced that the last three years have taken a greater toll on every American than any of us realizes. I, I really am, and um, not to minimize those who have suffered PTSD in, because of drastic situations, but I think there's a degree to which every American is suffering from PTSD. And I'm going to tell you this, uh, leading a church through the pandemic actually was incredibly draining and stressful. I am tremendously grateful for our staff team and volunteer team who were around me right through that period. It was a difficult period. A lot of pastors left the ministry during the pandemic because they couldn't deal with the stresses involved. How do we stay connected? How can we still minister to people? What's safe and what's not? What could we do and what shouldn't we do? How do we do it? How do we make it happen? And I'm not just talking about six months that we were closed, our doors were closed. I'm talking about after that when there were limitations. And then there were people who were in my face because we, we said that masks need to be worn. And, and people who were up in arms about that, people left our church over that. And then when we came to the point where masks were optional, there were people who were in my face and who left the church because we didn't demand that everybody wears a mask. And there were all kinds of things that were going on and most of them you, you wouldn't be aware of and you don't need to be aware of. It was a very difficult time. And I came to a position last fall where I felt tremendously drained. And then there are some health issues that we're facing at home just now. And I talked to several of my friends that I know well who are pastors. And I said, I think maybe the time has come where I need to take a step back. And they agreed. And I talked to Charlotte and I said, October of 2023 will be 25 years since we started the church. I think that's a good run. I think maybe the time has come then for me to take a step back and for you to step into the lead role. 
and prepare for the future. And then in January, our son Jonathan sent me a link to a sermon by Erwin McManus that was preached about five years ago, apparently. And I listened to it, and I listened to it three times. And the title of the sermon was, I'm Not Finished Yet. And the sermon was about Caleb. And you've heard some of his stuff this morning with some of mine. And as I listened to that message, I felt God in the kindest way, kind of reprimanding me. And I felt challenged. And I felt invigorated. And I'm standing here today to tell you I'm not finished yet. <laughs> Caleb, Caleb was 85 years old when he said, let's go fight. That gives me more than 12 years yet. But I've got to remind you of this. If we've got battles still to fight and victories still to enjoy, it's we. It's not me. It's, it's us. It's us together. And that's why what I want to re re really ask you to do today is do some heart searching as to where you might be at right now and ask yourself the question, have I stepped back have I taken it a bit easier? Am I kind of half done really in my brain? I've done my bit, I'm good, I'm, you know, I'll go to church and that's about it. Or are you in a position today to come and say, look, I'm not finished yet either. Let's go do this. I mean, I, mean, I, I look around me now, my, my, my good friend Ian Jennings that most of you know, Ian, Ian and I were talking the other day. He said, I've got an idea for a book. And he named a whole bunch of guys. And we started Bible school together in 1968, spent a lifetime in ministry. He said, what if we all wrote one or two chapters about what I've learned in these years? And we pooled that. He said, you know, between us, that means 350 years of ministry experience. We should be able to get a couple of pages out of that, right? <laughs> I said, great idea. And then I thought, Ian and I are the only one of that group that's still pastoring, and he's retiring in April. And like, I'm the only one that's left out of that whole group. And, and then, you know, social media can be, can be a strange thing, right? On social media from time to time, you know, I, I see somebody, maybe, you know, on, on, on an old high school page, and I see some guys, and I look at them and think, darn, they're old. <laughs> what happened to them? <laughs> but I'm not finished yet. And, 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 and I really want you to ask yourself, 
Will you sacrifice now for the future? Will you commit yourself to help fight some more battles, to put in the hard work? Like, let's do this. Now, most of you have been part of us for some period of time. You, you see what happened with the pandemic. Folks did leave us. Folks stopped coming. Some got out of the habit. Some got ticked off with the way we did things. I don't know. We used to be a church that was, we had two services going here on a Sunday morning. And what's been happening so far this year is Sunday by Sunday, we seem to be growing and growing and growing, which is a wonderful thing. But I'm going to tell I'm going to tell you this, as we continue to grow, we're going to need more folks to be involved, and we're going to need help from different sources. And as we come to the point where we get back into two services in time, you know what? We're going to need a whole bunch of folks helping, volunteering, supporting. And some of you, though, you've taken early retirement, and what, I mean, from God or from the service of God. And what I want to, what I want to ask you today is, is, is hey, can you get a hold of some of Caleb's spirit and say, hey, Rog, I'm 85 too, but I'm ready to go with this. Amen. Well, you may not be 85, but there are days you feel it, right? <laughs> you see, I think there's a false perception on how we're meant to end our lives. You can retire for your job, from your job. And I totally get that a lot of people can't wait till the time they retire from their job. But here's the thing. You can never retire from God's purposes for your life. Amen. See, most people don't die of old age. They die of retirement, folks. And, and I want to say, you know, there, there's, there is always a greater purpose in the work of God and in serving God and in serving others in the name of Christ. There are always opportunities, openings, and challenges for us. You have a reason to be here on earth. Don't underestimate what God wants to do through you. And if you've come to believe you've done your bit and you're finished, I want to tell you this. If you're still breathing, God still has a plan for you. Whether you take it up is your choice. There is a contribution that you can make. Now, I, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk more in practical detail about this next Sunday, but just kind of wrapping things up here. The thing is, have you benched yourself when God actually is looking to get you back in the game? 85 years old and ready to go. We're not just playing church here or doing church for the sake of it. We have a mission that's very clear. And our mission is we need to share and show Jesus to hurting people who don't know him yet. But, but let's, just, just, just a quick word. If, if, you're, if you're here today and you're 12 years old and think, hey, here's the old pastor preaching to the old people. I'm not preaching to the old people. I'm preaching to you too. Because if you don't determine to give God your everything, and if, if you won't get involved in the kingdom of God and in giving God your all and fighting for God at 12 years of age, you will not do it at 72 years of age either. 
You know where you, you get God's fire in your heart now. And the fact is the, the task that is before us is one that's there for every one of us. No matter how young you might be or how old you might be, there is no finishing in the work of God. There's a, there, there, there's a purpose for you. There is a plan for you. There, is, there are things that God wants you to accomplish and wants you to fulfill. And the only thing that can stop that is you. Today I'm calling you to say, will you consider standing up again, stepping forward again? Say, God, I don't know what it means. I don't know what's involved, but I want you to know that I want to be a part of what you're going to do. And I want to be an instrument of change for you. Listen, if you're here today because you want to go to church and that's it, I'm glad you're here. Please don't get me wrong. I'm glad you're here. If that's where you're at, I'm so happy and thrilled to see you here. But if you're here today and you want to be a part of changing our world, let's do this. Let's do this. I'll spell that out next Sunday morning in a little more detail, but it starts with this. It starts with just opening your heart to God and saying, God, I don't know where this is going to take me, but I'm not finished yet. Will you stand and pray with me, please?